in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Welcome to the show, a fantastic football game to recap. I'm joined tonight by Randy Bobandi and his new dog, Kinnick. A uh, terrible name for um, a dog, after named after the Iowa Football Stadium, the University of Iowa Stadium. So, Andy, good to have you back on the pod. Good to hear about your new dog besides the name. How's, uh, how's everything going in Andy's world? Uh, it, it's going well. I mean, it came down to Kinnick or, or Lambo. Um, and I figured you Minnesota folk would like uh, would would prefer that over uh, over the Packers. Yeah, Packers true, stadium. true story. True story. So he's he's a good boy. He'll be a he'll be a big big golden retriever here in the next probably in about a year. Hmm. So he's well, there you go. With, well, hopefully we get no interruptions during the uh, the pod. Maybe we'll have some some strong takes here or there. It's, uh, uh, we'll we'll wait and see. Well, love it. Something to keep you happy during this uh, horrific NFL season for you and your, and your Green Bay Packers. So something to uh, to smile about over there in Randy's world. Um, well, should we hop into the Vikings game? It was the biggest comeback or the largest, I should say, in NFL history. Um, a 33-point deficit erased by the Minnesota Vikings, and it was an all-out Kirk Cousins fest in the second half and really the receivers were just awesome uh KJ Osborne had a big one in the start of that third quarter now full disclosure here Andy um I had a family wedding this weekend my cousin was getting married in the Wisconsin Dells so I was down there it was a Saturday wedding right during the Minnesota Vikings game so I listened to the first two drives um on KFAN um just listening to PA have an absolute meltdown um, when it was 10 nothing, and I'm just looking at my phone in the church, kind of waiting there before the ceremony starts, and all of a sudden it's 23 nothing, and then I got to put my phone away for about an hour, come back out after after the wedding. Look again, it's 33 rip um, at the half, and my brothers and I kind of looked at each other. Well, it's, it's, it's not the worst thing ever. We're not going to be able to watch the game anyway. I mean, it sucks that they're going to get blown out by a terrible team, but uh, at least we're not going to miss some sort of epic game uh, that the Vikings are playing. And little did we know uh, the Vikings would come back and win that game. Just kind of watching the score, uh, you know, we we're, were milling around in the church taking pictures and all this kind of stuff and waiting. And the Vikings just start creeping back in. And they had a few times where it looked like, okay, now it's all over. Um, a few times late in that fourth quarter, just watching the game cast on my phone, getting some spotty connection of Paul Allen losing his mind on the opposite end now uh, with, with how the Vikings are coming back. But Kirk w- w- was fantastic in that second half. He threw for 460 yards on the day. I think like 417 of those yards came in the second half. And over time, he had four touchdowns, all of them in the second half. The two interceptions, which is where I don't really know, but the this is where the PFF grade and the, the ESPN QBR rankings just ate Kirk alive, but both of the, the interceptions were the fault of Jalen Rager, in my opinion, for sure. The first one where he just didn't stop. It was it was a choice route to the middle of the field. He stops at a spot. Kirk throws it to him, and he just drifts to his right, and it was an easy pick six um, for the Colts defense. The second one, he stops running on a, on a corner route. Kirk throws a pretty good ball, and Jalen just stopped running. Uh, another pretty easy pick. 
Kevin O'Connell was pissed about that. Uh, so I think if you take those two interceptions away, which you should, uh, it wasn't Kirk's fault. He he comes out with, with a brilliant rating on the day. Now, there was some, some miscues in the first half, obviously, going on 33 nothing, But a lot of it was on the special teams and on the offense. I mean, the defense was was troublesome. They gave up uh, three points on the first drive. They gave up a bunch of yards in the first half. Uh, but the, the way they locked down in the second half and some of the changes they made, uh, I think will pay dividends for this Vikings team as we move ahead. Delvin Cook was brilliant once again. He had 190 yards from scrimmage including the game-changing 64-yard screen pass late in the fourth quarter to bring the Vikings within two. They would convert the two-point conversion to TJ Hawkinson uh, to tie the game up at, at 36. But just an absolutely incredible comeback. Credit to the offense and a big credit to the defense for, for providing all those stops. They give up one field goal uh, in that third quarter, and they didn't give up another point the rest of the way. Randy, did you get a chance to watch the historic Minnesota Vikings comeback? Yeah. And the question I have for you and in, in, in knowing, you know, your, your situation, you're at, you're, you're at a family wedding. You see the score at halftime. The Vikings are down big. You know, you have the, you have the loss last week to the lions, you know, people start, you know, the chatter starts coming up, you know, are the Vikings, are the Vikings for real or not? Like, what are your, are you panicking when you see that score at halftime, you know, losing to Jeff Saturday and, and in the Indianapolis Colts, uh, 33 to nothing at halftime? Like, is it like we're screwed for the season? Like nothing matters anymore. The Vikings are doing it again. Like, like, tell me more about what you were thinking at halftime. I, great question. I guess I hadn't really had enough time to process it all. I was there was the chatter we were with the Wisconsin side of my family, so everyone's like, "Oh, it's the Vikings just doing Vikings things," or they're <laughs> saying the Vikings are going to Vikings, uh, and so I was just kind of like, "Oh yeah, just taking it all uh, in jest or whatever." But I, I guess I would say that. I wasn't super panicked about the team. I still think there's so many weapons on this team and they haven't really put it all together yet. They found a way to win in a lot of situations this year, two times, obviously that they should have no chance of winning in down 33, nothing at halftime. And the situation they were in, in the Buffalo game after not scoring from the one yard line on fourth and one, both of those times, uh, the opposing team, the bills and the Colts had a 99.9% chance uh, of winning per the ESPN probability and very rarely if ever has has a team two times in one season come back to win in those situations and some of it is it luck sure but some of it is it just dedication and or maybe the 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 ability to never give up um, that this team just seemingly has to they have have that I don't know it's hard to put your finger on it trait but they have that trait where they're just going to find a way to play their best football when it's absolutely necessary. Now, that being said, they did so many bad things in that first half, and the special teams especially cost them um, a ton of points. I have a stat for that later on. Um, But I guess to get back to your original question, was I panicked about the Vikings being down 33-0? A little bit on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe I would say it was like a 5 or a 6 panic, so it wasn't an all-out freakout, but it was like, okay, what are we doing here? Uh, part of me was thinking, okay, maybe this is the best thing we needed right now is to get our bell rung again um, a- after the loss to the Lions, find a way to, to hang on to the, I guess it'd be a three or a four spot at that point because um, you're assuming you're not going to catch 
Uh, Philly, obviously, if you lose that game, you're not going to probably catch or, or stay on track with, with uh, the 49ers, who have the tiebreak over you. So it was looking like, okay, now we're going to get the three seed. And this this could be a little tougher path in the playoffs, but it's still I still had some optimism, I guess I, I should say, for this team. Um, some more stats for you, Andy. Vikings had three first downs in that first half, which was was pretty pretty bad. Um, and then they had 29 in the second half. So three first downs to 29 first downs. Um, from the yards perspective, it's 82 net yards in the first half uh, compared to 436 net yards in the second half and overtime. The defense, I mentioned, they were much, much better, um, particularly in the red zone. Now a couple weeks in a row, they've been a lot better in that red zone, uh, which started out as a, as a troubled spot for this defense they're one of the worst um, red zone efficiency teams in the league but uh sunday saturday rather they were pretty good holding the colts just one of four in the red zone for a 25 percent red zone efficiency for the vikings which is is really good to see i mean that's a, a spot of the field they've struggled in immensely they've given up all kinds of yards so teams are getting there all the time but they did a good job in that red zone, and I'm very surprised and, and happy to see Duke Shelley playing a big role. He got 79 snaps on Saturday, the most of his career, and we'll see now if he's going to start or if they're going to put Cam Dancer back in there. Um, but some questions definitely out there <clears throat> about the Vikings' defense. Um, but, yeah, a good, a good second half, Andy. I don't know what else I can say about it. <laughs> It's it's a perfect second half, and you 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 have that you have that fumble that should have been a fumble, um, you two know, of them. Two, two of them. yeah yeah you have you have that one that should have equalized equalized the game sooner, um and yeah I mean it's um I mean it's it's I love it too because I think I think the discourse in the we'll call it the mainstream media, uh, not just myself and what I'll call biased Packer fan anti Vikings media. Um, is, you know, especially if they lost the Lions last week, you know, Vikings, Vikings, not, not, maybe not frauds, but, but fraud question mark. Right. Um, and, um, I mean, the, the point differential is still there. I think you're plus one right now yep. in the point differential. Um, uh, I mean, the, the, if, uh, n- another question is, is I interview, interview a Vikings fan, who would you say is, is the Vikings best win so far this year? I mean, you. It's hard to to not say the Bills, and, and obviously that was a little bit of luck involved there, and, and some good some good fortune as well, and some heads up football by the defense to hop on that that loose ball in the end zone to to score a goal head touchdown in, in an opportunity that looked like there was no opportunity. So it's hard to not say the Bills, um, and just the mm-hmm. on the road the caliber of team they are. Um, I think at at this point in the season it would have to be the Bills until you probably get into the playoffs and then maybe a a win over a 49ers team or a Cowboys team or even an Eagles team would be the only thing I could see trumping that uh but, but the win on the road in Buffalo um was was the best that I would say and I think that the stats would back up I mean that's the best football team we played this year um besides maybe the mm-hmm. Eagles and we got stomped in that game against uh against Philly yeah, and I think it's I think it's kind of a uh, a two edged sword in a way because when you look at when you look at the Vikings record um, or when you look at their schedule and who they've beaten, I, I I agree with you. Bills are the best win, 
you beat the Dolphins, but that was Teddy Bridgewater and also I think Stanley Thompson um, played mm-hmm. maybe half of that game. Um, so you're playing a second and a third string. You beat a second and a third string quarterback by by eight. Um, you have a win over the Commanders in uh, in November, which again maybe that's I mean it's it's a win against maybe a playoff team. And then even even upcoming, you've got the Giants who are just real beat up right now, um, spiraling pretty pretty bad, I'd say. Uh, or I guess they got the win last week. Um, yeah, but they did start but, six and one. I mean, yep, yeah, but 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 I guess what I'm saying is that the inj- the, the injury bug is really caught up with the Giants, where they're they're not they're not the same six and one team, right? Uh, that they were, you know, back in back in October. So I guess what I'm saying is. You know, you don't have you have that one kind of signature win uh, on the calendar. You've had great fortune. You know, we were talking about it back in September of of how um, how well this this Vikings schedule lined up, um, and you have you've eked out wins. I mean, you're only double did you're only more than one score victories over the Packers in Week One, um, and I don't I I honestly don't know if that encouraging like I I don't know if I want to go with the take was you know the take of oh this team finds a way to win um you know it's um how, how much is luck involved I mean it's I have no idea what to think of the Vikings going in the playoffs this year I mean we still don't know who they'll play they'll probably play a combination of like maybe the assuming they get even the second or third seed you'd play you wouldn't play the Cowboys um, you'd play maybe the Commanders, the Lions, the Packers, or the Giants. Maybe yep. the Seahawks as well. Um, I mean, I'd say the Lions is who I'd be most worried about. I mean, they're arguably the hottest team in football right now. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, three-game win streak. They've been in basically every game. They should have beat the Bills. Um, yeah, but, they're, they're yeah, six. they're 6-2 and two over their last eight with losses to, I think, a, a one or lost to the Dolphins with Tua, um, and yeah, and in a in a, in a last second loss to the Bills on Thanksgiving. I mean, no one's no one's playing better in the NFC, or no one's hotter, I think, in the NFC than than, than the Lions right now. I mean, that's probably the the one team that you want to avoid in the first round as possible, assuming the Lions keep up the uh, the hot streak. Yeah, I mean, definitely would would prefer not to play them in the first round, but I don't fear them either, uh, especially in the playoffs. I would I wouldn't fear them. I would say that the hottest team in the NFL, not that the Vikings would face off with them in the first round, uh, but the 49ers are just incredible. I mean, oh, yeah. They started the year pretty shaky, but then they got healthy somewhat. Brock Purdy came in, uh, and then obviously uh, Christian McCaffrey is a whole nother level to that team. So I mean, they're probably the hottest in maybe even in the NFL. I guess if you mm-hmm. you could make an argument for the Eagles too, but uh, the 49ers are damn good, and they're going to pose some issues, I think, for for the NFC in yeah. the playoffs. But their, let me give their f- defense is their defense is just regardless of who's playing quarterback and you know Kyle Shanahan, you know calling the offense. That defense is just airtight. Yep, I got a few more things I want to recap here, or at least mm-hmm. mention yep. from the Vikes game. So. Um, we'll start. We'll start with JJ. Actually, we'll start with the. Uh, we'll start with the kicking game. We'll start with special teams because there's quite a bit to get to there. But as far as the kicking game, Greg Joseph has had his his struggles with the PATs, especially anything over 50 yards has has seemed like he's missed them all this year. 
But the last three weeks, he's been really good and, and a big improvement. Um, he does have four game-winning field goals now, most by a Minnesota Viking in a single season. He's made 11 straight field goal attempts and nine straight PATs um, for Joseph. And, and it's been his most consistent three games uh, probably ever for, for a Minnesota Vikings kicker, at least. I mean, you make every kick, you're, you're doing a good thing in Minnesota, even though there's a lot of 40-yarders in there and stuff. So statistically, it's probably not that incredible. But it's good to see those numbers from a Vikings kicker. As for the rest of the special teams, it was a unit that was one of the best in the NFL through the first eight weeks of the season. Um, the, the last eight weeks, or the last seven weeks rather, have been a struggle. So it was the only, the Vikings are the only team added more points through special teams in the first eight, or sorry, only two teams added more points through special teams, uh, according to EPA, the expected points added metric in the first eight games. So they're top three through the first eight. Um, and on, since then, weeks nine through 14, so discluding this or not including this last week, um, they've been the second to worst team in the NFL through EPA. So they've lost more points through special teams in weeks nine through 14 this season than, than everybody else but one team. Um, in this last game, it, the first half was the worst special teams performance of any team this season. They gave up a huge kick return to start the game, then a blocked punt on the Vikings' first possession. That's 10 points right there. Um, and it was a terrible performance from them in the first half. Helped uh, to get out to that 33-0 lead for the Colts significantly. Um, yeah, and, go and, ahead. And, and you know, what uh, What do Packers fans <clears throat> claim as uh, the reason we lost to the, the Niners last year in the playoffs? Special teams. Yep. Muff, muff punts, poor, poor kick coverage. Um, it's one of those things where, like, it's easy to say – Oh, like it's special teams. We're going to turn around, um, but it's it's not that easy. I guess if if you're trending the wrong direction, um, something something's not right there. Exactly. So something the Vikings are going to have to work on for sure, and maybe just to put a little more attention to those spots the next three weeks, as these games are still impactful and definitely meaningful for the Vikings in terms of seeding. Uh, but they do have the NFC North now locked up and at least one home playoff game on the book. So something to focus on the next three weeks, getting that special team shirt up. Um, as for the Vikings defense, they played the most man coverage they played all season. On Saturday, they ran man coverage 41.8% of the time, according to True Media. Um, only twice before that had the Vikings played man coverage on more than 20% of the snaps. So that was almost a 100% increase. Um, on that metric, um, as for as far as the blitz rate, we've mentioned it many times on this podcast throughout the season, but they've been bottom of the league or near the bottom of the league every week in blitz rate. Um, Saturday was not the case. They blitzed on 40.5% of all snaps. Um, it was the most blitzes they ran in a game all season. And in the second half alone, they blitzed at a rate of 57.1% of the time. And it seemed to work. I mean, they only gave up three points. The yards weren't nearly as bad as they've been for opposing offenses. So something to look into for Ed Donatel and for, for Kevin O'Connell in this defense is utilizing that blitz rate and utilizing maybe more man coverage, especially if you're keeping Duke Shelley in there. He's a small cornerback, I think 5'8", something like that. Um, but he's got a nose for the football, makes some big plays. 
um, especially in the past breakups. He had two on Saturday, a team-high two PBUs for Duke Shelley. So something to look at for the defense for sure. And then to wrap up, I have a couple Kirk Cousins stats somewhere. Actually, we'll go. We'll start with JJ here. Um, he had 123 yards on Saturday. Now has a career high of 1,623 receiving yards. He's nine yards short of Randy Moss's Vikings record for single season receiving yards. He's 341 yards shy of Calvin Johnson's NFL record from 2012. J.J. needs to average 125.7 yards through the air over the next three games to reach his goal of a 2,000-yard season. It would be an insane feat. It's it's probably impossible, but I feel like he has to do... I mean, he has to do so much these next two games because with that extra game, I mean, that's what the haters are going to say. You know, if if he can at least get close and they put up just monster yardages these next two games. Um, I think, you know, whatever break records he breaks in week 18, um, I, I, th- I think he's still validated. You think he what? Sorry, cut out that I, last. I, oh, I, I, I think he's still, I mean, um, yeah, I think he's still good. Um, oh, I shouldn't say yeah. good. I mean, it's, what, what is it, 1964? And he, he's how, how long until he gets to how many yards away from Calvin Johnson? He's 341 yards away, 341. <clears throat> 341, so we need to put up like 170, one, 170 the next two games. I mean, yep. it's something that like you, you could – you might be able to do that. <laughs> if could, I mean, here, here's the deal. The Giants secondary is terrible. And they mm-hmm. also have a couple guys on their list. I think uh, uh, Dory Jackson is on there this week. There was another guy in the secondary. His name blanks me now. But the, the Giants defense is terrible. And it will be the Vikings' last game indoors. The weather, I'm sure, won't be good in Lambeau in three weeks. Or it will be two weeks from now. And then I'm sure... Chicago game isn't going to be uh, a big time passing game for the Vikings. So he's going to have to put up like 200 some yards this week and then try to just scratch something out in, in Lambeau in a couple weeks. But it's, it's still a remarkable season for JJ. And yeah, definitely there's going to be some haters saying, Oh, he had an extra game to do it, but he will at least break Randy Moss's Vikings record. He's going to do that in 15 games, assuming he has nine receiving yards on Saturday against the giants. Um, which I think is a pretty safe bet to make. So that's a, a good feat for him there. But the other thing about J.J. and Kevin O'Connell mentioned in this presser, and Andy, I don't know how closely you watched the game, but he's taken some big shots. There was two shots he took in the win on Saturday. Both of them were flagged. Um, the one from Stephen Gilmore was was egregious. I mean, he should have been ejected for that hit. Um, it mm-hmm. was... Uh, uh, I mean, it was so obvious that he was just going for J.J.'s head. Like, he was fine giving up the penalty there. He was just trying to knock J.J. out of the game. And there's got to be some fines or something. We cannot go through another season of, of teams targeting our best player, trying to hurt them, intentionally trying to hurt them in, in some situations. Um, and just to give up 15 yards and a slap on the back for that guy is not enough. So there's something to look at there, but it's also maybe a little bit on the play calling. I'd like to see J.J. not run anything over the middle the next three weeks. Um, just throw deep to him, see what happens, but but try to keep the hits from piling up on J.J. Now the good news about that is he wasn't on the Vikings injury report this week at all. Um, he's been a full participant in practice. 
and the, the ribs that he got hit on the first play and then his head I guess is doing is doing fine so he's he's a, he's a tough tough SOB and the, you could say the same about Kirk Cousins who's been hit more than anybody in the NFL and still managed to put up some insane numbers this season um, to wrap things up Kirk Cousins got a few bullet points here somewhere about Kirk um among the 40 QBs this season with at least 100 passing attempts, no one has more yards than Cousins in the fourth quarter. Only Joe Burrow and Tom Brady have as many touchdowns as Cousins does in the fourth quarter. That's 10. Um, he's been incredible. I mean, he has 1,181 1, yards in the fourth quarter. He has seven come from behind um, game-winning drives. Um Put the Vikings in, in a go-ahead position to win football games this year. His team's eleven and three. I think if you put anybody else's name in Kirk Cousins' position, like you say Tua, or you say uh, Kyler Murray, or you say Brock Purdy, or you say almost any other quarterback besides Kirk Cousins, you throw those numbers up there: seven game-winning drives, eleven and three record. He's been incredible in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had, does have now twelve interceptions on the year, but I think like eight of those aren't his fault. Uh, when you put a lot of all that in there, if it was anybody not named Kirk Cousins, I think he'd be a front runner for an MVP. Not saying that he's better than, than the Jalen Hurts has been or more valuable than Patrick Mahomes or even Josh Allen, but he's in that conversation and he doesn't get the respect I think he deserves. Andy, your take on that? Yeah, I mean, he is, I don't know what his, his MVP odds are right now, but. But, I mean, I, I don't think he's the MVP, but, I mean, like, Jalen Hurts has definitely been better. Like, I don't know if he's probably been the second-best quarterback in the NFC this year. Um, it's And it's probably, like, I'd probably put, if we're making tiers, I'd have Jalen Hurts on top, Kirk Cousins second, and then a, no one else probably on Kirk's tier. I mean, he is, um, he, he's played phenomenal this year. Um, you know, how much of that has been Kirk's play, how much of that has been, you know, Justin Jefferson and some of the weapons he has, how much of that is Kevin O'Connell in the new system. Um, like, regardless of, of what's causing it, I mean, this is this has been a great year for Kirk. I think, um, I mean, I'm not saying it's Super Bowl or bust, but I feel like he needs, he needs a statement win. I think he needs to get to the NFC Championship game this year. Um, to kind of cement himself as like, hey, I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, get through that first round game, you know, and then whether it's the to the Cowboys or 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 the the Niners that you play in in the second round, um, yeah, like get that statement victory in the playoffs when everyone's watching you, when everyone thinks you can't do it. Um, that's that's what Kirk Cousin needs right now. Yeah, he definitely needs some some big statement victories. His um, odds are at plus, uh, let's see, plus thirty thousand for Kirk to win the MVP according to Bet MGM. It's the ninth favorite on the list. It starts with Patrick Mahomes at minus two fifty, so a fairly significant um, uh, favorite here is Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts behind him at plus three twenty five. Burrow at plus eight hundred, along with Josh Allen at plus eight hundred. Then it goes down to Tua, Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert, Tyreek Hill, and then Kirk Cousins. So Kirk's still pretty near the middle of that list. I guess there's twenty guys listed here. He's he's listed as the ninth favorite to win the MVP, um, but something to keep an eye on as we move forward into the final three weeks. 
I think that's all I have Vikings related. Um, let me just scroll through here. Um, Vikings, I guess, to get the first seed, what they would need is to win to win out, and they need the Eagles to lose out. Unlikely, uh, but not impossible. I mean, especially Gardner considering, Minshew. especially considering Gardner Minshew starting this this week in place of the injured Jalen Hurts, and I haven't seen a lot on that injury, Andy. I don't know if you have seen much. I know it's something to do with a strained shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any idea how serious that is? Yeah, I mean, I think he said something about you know he had a three hundred pound dude coming on his back. Yep, uh, it sounds sounds pretty serious to me. Yeah, it's, uh. <laughs> it sounds deadly, uh, deadly serious there for for Jalen Hurts. Um, well, that's all I got for for Vikings and really NFL news. Um, I do have actually one other nugget. The NFL is nearing a deal with YouTube to become the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. Um, the deal would end a 30-year run with DirecTV, and it's reported that the NFL is seeking just north of $2 billion a year to be the new provider of NFL Sunday Ticket. Um, it says here that Apple was also in the mix but backed out a few weeks ago. I'm surprised Amazon wasn't in that mix as well. Maybe they were uh, a while back, but they do, as, as we were talking about beforehand, Andy, they have quite a big deal with the NFL over Thursday night football, something to the tune of about $1, million or $1 billion a year to broadcast 50 game, 15 games. So and, 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 and I think, too, it's like when you think of the allure of Sunday ticket, um, I, don't, I don't know the numbers, but I have to imagine that the um, like bars and restaurants right, that, that show every game um, every week are some of your biggest, customers for Sunday tickets. Um, and the fact that if, you know, if it, if it moves over to streaming, if it moves over to YouTube, I mean, it's just another death blow. Um, it's just another death blow to, um, you know, to, to traditional, traditional TV. Right. Um, so cable, cable companies and stuff. Yeah. I mean, because I don't have Sunday ticket, the price is probably going to go up, um, you know, with, with, with it, being so expensive um but just kind of how i mean it's 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 a sign that the nfl is um all in on all in on streaming and i think too with how with how long they're signing these deals for um i think historically i don't think they've been signing historically deals for a decade um a decade plus i think it's interesting too that they're trying to kind of lock in these long-term deals um for, for a lot of money um, obviously, um, but, um, you know, not, um, you know, it's a sign that they, um, they kind of want to shore up what they can right now. They feel like they're in a good place. They don't feel like they'll need to go renegotiate in, in four or five, six years. Right. And, and the thing that streaming has is the ability to have no cable boxes, no wires, no, uh, wait period to get your box or to go wait in the store or whatever. It's so easy to, to set up a streaming um, a device. You got a smart TV. You go on to scroll over to YouTube TV. Boom, you're in. You can you can sign up in five minutes, and so it make it it just makes it so much easier. Whereas traditional cable has such a burden there to to try to navigate with with the uh, the cable boxes and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's a battle that streaming is going to win, and I think the NFL has kind of recognized that and is moving in that direction. So we should should have a new deal 
with the NFL and YouTube to become the new home of Sunday Ticket. I don't have much else. A little bit uh, World Cup-related. Argentina winning the instant classic in the final over France. It was a 2-0 Argentinian lead. Um, Sorry, I just got to pop up there. A a 2-0 lead for Argentina in about the 80th minute. I tuned in in about the 62nd minute. Uh, of the game and which is kind of casually watching and then all of a sudden Mbappe gets a, a penalty kick I think it was the 81st minute Mbappe scores uh, it, it's 2-1 no I think it was honestly the 82nd or the 83rd minute then Mbappe has an insane goal um, where he's just like sideways and kicks it perfectly placed 2-2 game is tied it goes to overtime. Messi scores. I think I don't know who scored for for France to make it three three. It was it was Mbappe. He had he, he had a hat trick. He had a hat trick. There you go. Mbappe scored again, and, and then it goes to penalties. Now my question for you, Andy, is: Should the World Cup final end on penalty kicks, or should they just run those boys till they're gassed out and can't even uh, can't even run anymore? I I I'm try, I was trying to think of what the comp would be like in the NFL. Like, let's say a game ends in a tie and you have, like, the kickers start kicking, like, 40-yard field goals and then, yeah. like, like the high jump. Like, you go back five yards and then if no one can make it, then you just keep kicking, you know, 40, you know, 55, 60-yard field goals, whatever. Like, it makes the guy, I mean, it would happen once or twice a year, but it makes the guy like Justin Tucker all that that more worth it. Um, I think I think penalty kicks are, are exciting um, I don't think the game can go on forever, especially when you limit subs. Um, and I think, like especially this game, it was like it was it was a perfect ending. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, would have loved to watch them play another ninety minutes because, like, it was the the first time in a long time for me with soccer where I was engaged all ninety minutes. Like even when Argentina was up two zero, like the game was exciting. That second goal from Argentina in the first half was one of the most beautiful goals you'll ever see. Like every single pass was perfect. Um, Messi playing such a great through ball, um, you know, to kind of start that sequence. Um, the, the the goal play was, uh, or the, the play by the keepers on both teams was tremendous. Even though six goals were allowed. I mean, all the goals scored were were amazing. Emiliano Martinez had that save in uh, in extra time where he threw his leg out. Mm-hmm. Uh, save of the season. Um, I mean, it was um, just an insane game. You know, we have back back in Iowa, my family were hosting an Argentinian um, uh, exchange student. Um, in that second half, when when Mbappe scored the first one, uh, the I, I don't know what he was saying, but the profanity started in Spanish. <laughs> we, were watch, we were watching the game in Telemundo, which is a great way to watch watch a soccer game. And like he was, you know, my he, my, my my sister, my sister who's in Chile right now, explained to me that, um, you know, I, I told I told her I said, you know, like Alvaro, he just keeps using like Madre like in different terms, and he's like, oh, that's that's a Spanish, that's a the Latin America thing is you you. Profanity is is swearing or cursing at someone's mother. Other <laughs> that, this person's mother, this, and he was he was just just exploding. And then when Argentina won, he he grabbed a um, uh, grabbed an Argentinian flag and ran up and down our street, even though it was freezing cold outside. 
Um, wow, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, in the scenes from Argentina, the past couple of days have been insane. Um, it is, it is so cool. It is, um, what, what, what a whole world cup. I mean, it was, um, we, four years we get it in the U S which is insane. Yep. Yep. And there's a chance there'll be a game in Minnesota. I think that remains to be nope. seen, but it's, uh, is there nope. not? There's be no game. Oh, so the, dang. I know the, they put a bid in for it. So it's, um, it's interesting. So FIFA, I think it's all knockout stage games in the World Cup have to be played on grass. Mm. So um, there's a few domes that are hosting that were selected that are going to have to put grass in in the next four years. One of them being um, uh, Jerry World. Mm. So reportedly, um, uh, Jerry Jones wants uh, AT&T Stadium to host the final. And to do that, he would need to put grass in. Um, and well, they could probably just roll that in for one game, though, right? Oh, but no, but it would. Some of the um, some of the stuff I was reading, it's going to cost them like fifty plus million dollars to put grass in. Um, uh, that's no like worry for that, Jerry. Yeah, no, it's it's no worry. But that, but then the article is in a larger article talking about how you know it's a twelve-year-old stadium or something like that, fifteen-year-old stadium, yep. and they have they're putting two hundred million dollars into it over the next couple of years, Jeez. which is just, just nuts how expensive these, these places are. But yes, anyway, I, I think for Minnesotans, our closest location to the world cup is going to be Kansas city, which will be an electric atmosphere um, at Arrowhead stadium. Um, and besides that, I don't think Chicago soldier fields a dump. Um, they didn't get a bid. Yeah. I think there's nothing really, um, really close. Maybe, maybe like Cleveland or, Maybe Cincinnati got one. That's where the U.S. men's national team is based out of. Maybe the Bengal Stadium is hosting. But yeah, Arrowhead Stadium is going to be our closest bet um, in four years. Well, there we go. Something to look forward to down the road. Let's wrap it right there, Randy. My voice, as you can tell, is definitely a little (laughs) hoarse. A lot of announcing this week, and I got two more games tomorrow night. So let's end it right there for the sake of my voice so I can talk tomorrow night calling some hockey games. But good good to chat with you again. We'll probably probably do an episode next week um, sometime during the week, recapping Vikings and and looking ahead to Vikings-Packers then um, for Week 17. So plenty of fun stuff to look forward to there. Randy, you have a good weekend. Good luck getting back in the snowstorm. Safe travels to everybody if you're going away for the holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Randy. We'll talk to you soon, Bill. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. God.